Hello and welcome to Critical Line Item. My name's Tom Ravick. Thank you for joining me for this particular podcast. Now, one of the things about the creative process is you as consumers see things in a form when they're completed. Um, and you have no idea how the sausage is made. You just know what's in it. You just pick up a book or a or the DVD or whatever else, and you see what's happened. Um, joining me today for, for a bit of an exploration of, of the creative process, as well as no doubt talking a bit about his two books, of Justin Smith, journalist, author, commentator, appears regularly on Sky News, on Chris Kenny's program, I might add. Um, always a good segment. Uh, Justin's got a new book out called Good as Gold. He's had a couple of books published over the past couple of years. They're both novels. And he and I are going to touch on those books, but we're also going to have a bit of a yak about how the goddamn process of being creative happens because you might actually want to understand how this stuff comes together. Justin, thank you for joining me. Oh, Tom, lovely to, lovely to chat, mate, after all this time. But it's great to finally have a decent chat with you. Now, it... You've got Cooper Not Out and you've got Good as Gold. Yeah. Um, and my and first that... novel is called uh, Babies of the Rose. So this is my third one that I've just released. So uh, now, yeah, which is which is great. Now you've got okay, three. In the, mm. How quickly in the sequence did each of those emerge? What was the gestation period between them? Oh. Mm, let me have a think there. Babies of the Rose came out in 2020. Uh, 2022 for uh, Cooper Not Out. And then 2023, uh, about a week ago, for Good as Gold. So it's one of those things. It takes, you know, I might be, I hope I don't disappoint anybody with talking about the creative process. But it's one of those things that takes as long as it takes, you know, and sometimes, <laughs> you know, a current book that I'm working on, you know, I sort of let it fester in my head you know, for, for almost about six months before I really started uh, writing it and just sort of let it sit there. And other times you'll have it straight away and you just sort of go for it. So, But I think generally it's about two years, about two years from the moment you start sort of scribbling to when the book comes out. And the other thing is that the publisher will say, oh, oh this is, okay, terrific. This book will suit perfectly for May in 18 months' time or something like that. And they'll sort of slot a time for it. Uh, and then it obviously takes a little bit longer because you could sort of rush it out straight away. So it's, it's a little bit of a piece of string thing. The, 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 the process for me is basically just getting up in the morning and writing and then getting up the next morning and writing and, uh, and try to make it as, as good as I can. Now, um, now you, uh, I'm you... not sure how many mysteries there are to it. Well, there, there, there are probably there are probably things uh, that that are mysterious. <laughs> I ended up writing mm. three books in the space of four years as well. Um, mm. uh, one on the Rahain Royal Commission, uh, which came out in twenty nineteen. Uh, another one called Rorts and Ripoffs, which came out in twenty twenty. Now these are non fiction, by the way. Um, 
which looks at consumer angle on sort of protecting themselves from scammers and bad advisors, and then one on Crown Casino in 2022. So it, it but in my case, the material was in primary source documents documents for the most part. I wasn't hmm. crafting a novel or a narrative um, to um, sort of weave a story from page one to page two, and sometimes my stuff starts from the middle of the book. Now, if we're talking about the, the writing process, where does it begin for a fictional account of something? How does it begin to to shape up? Just for me, the story for me, the whole process starts where this where it ends, which is with a good story, right? So if the story is no good, you know, I, I just get a there's a story that comes to me, whether it's something somebody said to me, or it's something that I've read, or something that I've completely made up. The the one I'm currently working on, uh, which I, which I can't really give anything away at the moment. Um, mostly because I haven't, haven't written the whole thing. But the, <laughs> that came from one person's name who works at Sky News. Now, it's somebody nobody has ever heard of, but they sent me an email about something to do with Sky. They, they work behind the scenes. And I thought, what a great name. That person's got a fantastic name. And I, um, I was talking to my wife. I was on holidays with my wife. And I said... Um, I said, geez, I love this guy's name. And, and then I just started making up a story in my head about him. And before you know it, you know, it became a, uh, it, it became the story. And, and, and then you change a few things and you put a few things in here and there. But sometimes just something will, it's just liking stories. I just like stories. And, and I, I find little ways to make them up in my head. And then sometimes you go, hey, that'd be a good book. It'd be a great book. So you start making notes and you start talking to people, you know, that know something about the subject matter. And, and then, you know, and then, and then away you go, you know. Each of us is even remotely creative um, has over the years picked up things that inspire us, right? Um, as a mm. kid, as a kid, because I'm partially deaf, my parents yeah. took me to speech and drama classes in order to get, in order to uh, improve diction when I was a kid. And my speech and drama teacher introduced me to different poets. I'd be doing exams for speech and drama, you know, drama mm. stuff. You'd be introduced to people like, mm. um, Mm. Um, you know, Bernard Shaw, you'd be, you know, Charles Dickens, you know, uh, you'd be reading yeah. excerpts of Norman Lindsay's mm. The Magic Pudding in front of an examiner that's come from England for the purpose of examining and terrifying young school students. <laughs> I did well in that exam, by the way, but didn't mean that mm. I wasn't terrified. Um, who were the writers that, you read as you were growing up um, and thinking about a career and thinking about writing that that 
set your mind racing because there's got to be a connection with what you do now with some of the things that you've thought about and read in the past. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, I loved, uh, I was a huge fan of, and still am, of Banjo Patterson. I think Patterson is one of the greatest writers the world's ever, ever, ever seen for, for poetry and the, the way he can give you an image with a couple of words. I think he was terrific. And I, and I also liked um, Charles Bukowski and James Joyce, uh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Uh, those yeah. kind of writers sort of excite me over the years that I picked up. But when I was a kid, I was interested in telling stories. But I didn't really ever think of writing as uh, something that you could ever really do professionally. It all just seems a little bit a bit whirlwind. And then when I started in radio, <laughs> I started doing uh, journalism. You know, I, uh, you know, and I started writing stories and, and, and telling stories. The thought of doing fiction never left me. And then the two sort of came together. And I often find now that um, I approach a, a novel exactly the same way that I'm, I approach a story, you know, a news story or, or a news column. I, I write it the same way. I mean, the notes that I take to get myself ready for it, it's exactly the same in, rea in fiction as in nonfiction, uh, which I found... I did something I discovered about myself not that long ago. I looked at my notes for sorry, right? And I said, that's exactly how I write notes for stories. So I guess what I'm doing is I'm writing it down and recording it as though it actually happened and it was real. And then I'm writing it. You know, so this morning, you know, I've been sitting down and writing a, a, a news story for the Herald Sun and talking <laughs> to people and, and uh, you know, making calls, giving people a hard time and whatever. And I'm doing that. And I, you know, for me, it's exactly the same approach. I, it's, it's no different to me writing a, a novel. It's still people. It's still emotion. It's still what's the story. And, 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 and I like to think, I hope I do this, you know, and, and people can really correct me if, I'm, if I don't, but I hope that I, I think about the reader all the time. Like what's the reader going to, what's in it for the reader? What's this sentence here? What's in it for the reader? What are they going to get out of it? And if the answer is nothing, well, the sentence has got to go. You know, so I, I, I try to have that approach all the time. You remind me of a, and this is going back into the archaeology of my career, of a business editor at The Age many moons ago, Marshall Hall, who, because of my subject matter expertise, which occasionally bore people people to sleep or at least be seen as a cure for insomnia non-chemical one that is of the whole area of mm. accounting and reporting mm. and mm. Marsh, Marshall will be at the other end of the phone I'm talking to him in in sort of it, it, I, I can lapse into jargon and Marshall will turn around and say yeah but what's in it for me which brings yeah, you down yeah. the word, doesn't it? it? Yeah. <laughs> What's in it for me? It does. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, and, look, then... and, I've, and I've tried to pick up on that. You know, my, my one of my great uh, one of my great heroes and mentors, and thankfully as a friend, is Andrew Rule. Um, Andrew, I think, is probably the best writer in Australia uh, on many different levels, and um, for me. You know, Andrew keeps me honest and, and I've got so much from him over the years about, you know, 
and, and in my early days when I went to him and asked him if he could help me with writing and, and uh, whatever, he was very strict on me from the very start and, and always instilling that, you know, clean language and always, you know, constantly thinking about the reader. You know, you're not just there to write, you know, like if I want to write poems to myself, I can go and do it. You know, uh, uh, but before before I wrote a poem for somebody else, or before I wrote, wrote something for somebody else, you know, I consider every every inch of it to say, well, look, is that is that something that the person's getting? And am I am I telling the story? And look, and I think you get you, you can get better at it. You know, you can become better at this craft. You know, uh, you know, I'm very proud of my my first novel, Babies of the Rose. I'm very proud of a lot of things that are in it. You also look at it and you say, look, there's it was my first novel and there's some things in there that probably just didn't need to be there. I could have cut to the chase a lot quicker. I could have done this a little bit better. And, and it's all about learning. I, you know, I'm no doubt I'll spend some time with my new book, you know, that is in the Good as Gold, which came out last week. I'll open it up and I'll look at a page. It's all oh, probably could have trimmed a little bit there or I could have yeah. made this a little bit there. You know, I think that's all part of the craft. Because, uh, look, my advice to people who want to write is if you think you're a terrific writer, the chances are you're probably crap. Um, I think you've always got to be thinking that you need to do it better and that it's not quite done yet, you know, and, and it needs that extra work. Even, I think you've got to be constantly believing that you've got to do that. Even the book that I did on Crown, when I got to the end of it and the book eventually came out, um one of the things that irritated me about that book was had I had another month, you know, we're working to a tight deadline. Had I had another month, I could have added another case study in there. Hmm. Um, oh, I could have, I could have tweaked this, tweaked that, or the, hmm. you, you know, there are times when there's an author, you sort of, even when you've completed the job, hmm. Your job is still not complete. It's uh, it it like the human that wrote it. It remains to some extent imperfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, in, in, in imperfect is okay. I, you know, I'm sort of not a big one for perfection in writing. I think it's about emotion and um, conveying to a person what what you wanted to convey to them. I, I consider myself to be a very emotive writer. And that, you know, I always sort of start with the emotions first. And uh, I think, look, if I haven't got that across, well, I've failed. You know, I've got to, I've got to redo it, you know, and uh, I've got to write it again. I've got to fix it, you know. So, um, you know, that's, that's the, they're the sort of things I, I sort of think about. And, and as far as the process goes and, and how, how you do it, I think it's so different for every writer that, there's no simple answer. You've got to find your way of being a writer. Um, and, and, and for me, you know, at, at my age, I still feel, though, that I'm, I'm doing that. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not done as a writer, you know. I, in fact, uh, that tag sort of sits with me very um, uneasily. You know, even, even though I write a lot of words and, and, and get published by you know, a, a cracking newspaper and, and get heard all around the place and I've had three books out, et cetera. I still don't sort of consider myself a writer because I don't know what that really... I'm not sure what that kind of... I don't know. 
because I, I, I'm, I'm not done yet. You know, I'm not. Uh, yeah. I'm not ready to. Um, I'm not ready to call myself an expert. So yeah. One of the challenges that you, even with the stuff that I've done, is at what point? At what point do you put something down? Um. Is it done or is it, is it satisfactory at a, at a point in time and you've got to let it go? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, like, it's, like, it's like that column where you – it's like that column that you write. As I, I, I mean, I wrote a 1,500-word piece of 1,500 words the other day for the Mandarin on um, the New South Wales member of the Upper House, Abigail Boyd, who's looking at all these issues related to mm. consulting. Um, in fact, it's an inquiry on – uh, this week and over hearings this week and the interview I did with her was so rich but I also realised that going beyond 1500 words is probably going to chest my readers' patience Yeah, I, I, I mean I don't know, I mean it, it's it's I try not to look at word count. Word count for me, I think, can be a bit of a trap. Um, uh, I think it just goes as long as it goes. You know, sometimes I think it's our job to make our point quite quickly. Uh, but other times, you know, you're more of an academic writer, you know, and, and sorry, the, the topics you're covering are, um, are a touch more academic than what, than what I do. They are. It's you know, a fair, it's a fair description, reader, yeah. if that makes sense, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but we've each got the same reader. And I think sometimes you can – something I've really tried to do is if I look at something and I say, look, no, no, I've done it. I've sold it well in a few words. The reader will completely understand. It's got the emotion. It's got the information. It's got everything. Yeah. It's done. Leave it. Don't sort of add to – you know, don't show off. You know, it's it's like using big words. You know, I think yeah. particularly in fiction, but you use a word. You know, look, I think I can speak freely with you, Tom. You get an email once in a while from a dead set wanker who who fancies <laughs> themselves an authority on everything, uh, but but is incapable of hearing anyone else's point of view. Uh, and said dead set wanker will fill a page full of big words like uh, pursuance and words like that, you know. And and <laughs> you get to the end of reading one of those, you know, letters and you realise, I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. I, I don't know. You know, you've showed me that you can use the word pursuant in a sentence, but I actually don't know what your, I don't know what your point is. You know, so so these kind of, Andrew Rule calls them the $10 words. You know, putting a $10 word in there just to, just to sort of show that you can, uh, I think is a, is a great crime um, uh, for someone who would call themselves a writer, you know. I, I, it's, a fair point. it's a fair point you make, but also the, the, the challenge in anything that is even remotely complex or technical is to translate it or convert it. That's right. Into terms that the average punter can understand, That's right. yep. and the professionals that engage in things every day—let's call well, the accountants, for example—they bathe in big words, 
people then think they're doing the wrong thing when they're doing their daily compliance or whatever it is. And they may not be, but yeah. using big words makes some people feel inadequate. Yeah, it does. And I think it's a superiority thing. And I mean, and what are you, what are you trying to achieve? Yes, you know, if you've got to put a word in there and it's got to be used and it's good, it's got to be, I, I, I hate the thought of anyone picking up a dictionary while they're reading anything that I write. Um, or, you know, it's, I just don't think that's what writing is. I mean, it's, I'm not saying we shouldn't stretch ourselves and learn new words, but that's not what actually, that's not what writing is. And, and I think some of the great writers, some of my favourites, um, have really managed to, you know, and, and when I read an Andrew Rule, I read an Andrew Rule piece about something or Patrick Carline. Uh, or his father, Les Carline, or those kind of writers. Yeah. Um, when I read something from them, I'm not reaching for the dictionary. You know, most of the time I'm reaching for a tissue, you know, uh, to wipe my eyes, you know, because they're getting it so right. You know, I'm not, yeah. they're not, you know, they're not, they're not trying to say to me, hey, listen, dickhead, you know, I've, I've known more about the world than you would, you would ever know, you know, and have a listen to whatever. They're not doing that, you know, and, and and I think you also you want you you know I like people to forget their read you know I, I I want the writing to go away you know when they're reading something I want the writing to sort of almost fade into the background the story is there for them and and the words come in like you know you know like honey you know this is I'm not saying I achieved this I'm saying this is what I want to achieve is words come in honey you know the the writing is not there you know there's no you know you're not thinking about punctuation or whether you're going to understand it or or or, or anything like that it's just washing over you you know I, I think that's I don't want that to sound too grandiose but to me that's writing you know yeah. that's what it is you know um and and I know that you do a very you you do a very different form of writing but a very important form of writing um, and that is, you know, to inform people and to, to have them understand. Now, I would imagine to you that if somebody read one of your books and then walked away and thought, look, I really don't know any more than when I started the book, that would be a disaster for you, I would imagine, you know. Yeah. Um, if they don't understand it or don't um, care about it, um, you know, I, I think, that, and for me too, I think, you know, writing a news story as I am this morning, something I've always got to think about. I'm writing for somebody who doesn't care. So I'm not writing this story for people who already care about it. I'm writing it for the people who don't care. And, and hopefully they, they read it and then they do care. And that's, that's the sort of plan. So I'm not sort of uh, preaching to the choir per se. Okay. Now I think the yeah you've been very generous with your time this morning. And one of the Thanks, things Tom. that I no uh, one of the things that I wanted to touch on is um, how important is it to have the different influences or the different the combination of things that you do. I mentioned you appear on Sky once a week. Um, you. You, you've done, and, and I guess still do, some element of radio somewhere along the way. Mm -hmm. You write mm -hmm. for the Herald Sun, then, then, then the books come into play. How critical mm -hmm. is that, do you think, to, to sort of 
keeping your mind fresh when you come to sit down and do the the work on the book, the characters, and you know the the next novel, which you will tell us about at some point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully, you'll have me back on for that one, mate. Uh, the uh, <laughs> the that's a really it's a good question. How important is it? I would say everything you do is important, you know, and I try to make sure that I'm socialising, you know, with people and, and, and just chatting with people and, and not just stuck in a, in a hole. You know, a lot of times I'll just make sure I'm, just make sure I'm having coffees and lunches with people and talking with people because that's how you refresh. Um, that's how you, you know, you get that new, um, that freshness and, 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 and I, look, I really like to study people. You know, I really like to watch people about how they react to things and how they, I like to watch them eat. I like to watch them get tired and I like to watch them wake up. You know, that sort of fascinates me, you know, and watch them drive and, and deal with people. So if I'm in, ever in a new situation and I see somebody coming across something for the first time, now I don't know what that might be, whether they're uh, an argument, I love watching that person and seeing how. Example of in in my book, Good as Gold, in eighteen sixty one, it's around the first Melbourne Cup, and it's a rewriting of the first Melbourne Cup, and it's a bit of an Australian, and I I, I really hope good tales for people and I, and I hope enjoy it for me in that in western where none of the people with guns have ever fired a gun at a person before so fight it's not like these great where they pull out and they shoot seven people and four or whatever they've never actually been in a gun they meet and they fight to the death neither part of something like that before and that fascinates me you know to think of in like to hold a gun in your hand, have somebody shooting back at you for the first time. So that's kind of what I, those things fascinate me. Uh, I've been talking to Justin Smith, who's the author of um, Good as Gold, which has just come out. Um, it's his latest book. He's written two others, and you can find them all on, or should be able to find them all on Booktopia. Um, get your hands on them, or other or good book outlets. And he's still you're still doing yes. You're still doing sign signing ceremonies at bookstores, are you not? I don't know if 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 you buy the book, I'll sign it for you. I don't care who you are or where you are. We'll find a way <laughs> to make it happen. So we do. I've done signings and you know at lots of different places where the book is. But you know if you. If you buy a copy, you want it signed, I'm easy to get in contact with. I'd be very happy to do it for you. And, uh, you know, I, I love the idea of people reading the books. You know, like I said, for me, I just hope this is a rollicking good tale for people and a good read. The feedback we've had so far has been terrific. The reviews we've had so far have been terrific. So I hope that continues. And I just love the idea of people. You know, somebody has said to me, um, I've done nothing for two days. All I've done is read the book. I love it. And, and to me, that's as good as it gets. The thought of somebody going, well, listen, I've put my life on hold here because I can't put it down. That's um, that's cracking to me, you know. And the other thing that's really cool about that is when somebody says they've picked up a book and they've read mm -hmm. it, 
they probably haven't you know, read Twitter or X. They probably haven't done mm. anything else. They've just immersed mm. themselves in in an experience. Mm. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And the other thing I should mention before we close off is that you are typically on Sky News with Chris Kinney on a Wednesday night in a segment called the yeah. Wednesday Wrangle, which is always worth watching, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yes, it's good fun. I love the wrangle. I love a punch up. I love it. It's, oh, well, uh, it, it, it's it, one it, of my favourite things to do. Yeah, it, it, but the other thing that it does, and I think people need to appreciate this, is it is an embodiment of the virtue of listening and testing ideas. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and so. when you when you fail to do that, um. You fail to actually not only listen to others, but also test your own ideas, see whether your own ideas are actually valid. Oh, yeah. Actually yeah, work, yeah. actually stack up. Yeah, I would agree with that. I love it. I uh, look. I, I think uh, you know, good, good old-fashioned debate and nutting a few things out. I think we've become in Australia. We've become particularly rubbish at it. I think, uh, and yeah. and I would like to see us get a lot better. But just having a good old, you know, I'd like to see Australian media in general. Like I'm not, I'm not nailing this on anyone. I'm not talking about the ABC or Sky or, or any of the, you know, I'm also on Channel 7 Sunrise a couple of times a week, not nailing this to anyone. I would just like to see all media start talking to people who they know disagree with them. And and say, listen, I know this person is at complete odds to to everything that I believe in, but we're going to get on together and we're going to we're going to sort of nut it out a little bit. I'd love to see more of that. But you, it, your old station, Three AW, mm-hmm. you used to do a lot of that um, with Barry Everingham and a range of others on a. On a Sunday morning, you would have a forum where people would sit there and have a debate, have a discussion, and it wouldn't matter where it ended up. At least people were having it off with each other on air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I agree. Look, I, I, but also, I don't know, I think some of that kind of thing, I'm not sort of, again, poking at anyone in particular, but it's, it, to me, it's not about having the debate anymore. It's about showing your audience that you believe in this thing, right, or whatever it might be. Let's say the voice. Obviously, the voice is going on at the moment. It's a big thing. So they're not actually interested in having the debate. They're just sort of more, more interested in telling the audience that, that you know, what side they're on, you know, and that kind of that bores me. You know, and I must say I'm thrilled to bits with uh, Chris Kenny. Uh, you know, I consider Chris a friend of mine. Chris and I agree on probably nothing, almost nothing, <laughs> you know. Uh, but but I have enormous respect for him and I always like him because he's very keen to get on people that um, disagree with him and uh, and have a chat, you know. And, look, I, I dare say I can't think of anything in particular, but I dare say there are things he's changed his mind on over the years. I respect that greatly. And I don't think that there's nearly enough of that sort of going on. Um, and I think we've become rubbish debaters. We've become tribal. We've become intolerant. 
we've become unintelligent, we've become an echo chamber. Uh, and if I can have anything to do with changing that in any small way, any way, shape or form, then I'll, I'll grasp it. Um, well, there you go. The only one thing I will add to that is we probably need to get people reading John Stuart Mill's On Liberty a bit more often. And and good as gold by Justin Smith uh, in all good bookstores uh, right now. So yeah, and and read John Stuart if you want. I mean, if you're keen, you know, go right there. If you like philosophy, these your kind of thing, do it. But Absolutely. make sure you know while you're in there getting John Stuart Mill, grab mine as well. Absolutely, Justin. Thank you so much for. Um, I've been talking to Justin Smith, journalist, author, and um, novelist who. who does everything and anything that he can get his hands on. Thank you so much for your time. Wonderful, Tom. Thanks for the chat, mate. Loved it.